What's up, everybody? You are tuning in to episode 11 of the Small Town Wealth Podcast. Thanks a lot for keeping with us all this time. Today we have Andrew McWilliam. Andrew is the mastermind or one of the masterminds behind Ratio Coffee and Donuts. Quite a beloved little shop in Vernon here. Totally. Totally. Yeah, no, it's a, it's an incredible coffee shop, really well known for all of their pastries, um, really got popular with uh, hashtag Donut Friday, which we're going to be talking about and basically how he came up through the coffee business, his past experience and leadership, really, really, uh, really, really inspiring story. I've got a lot of respect for this guy um, just from just from hearing his story and, and knowing about him in the past and knowing more about him now. So it's, it's great to hear what he's doing around marketing and, and everything as well. I'm super, super stoked for you guys to listen to this one. Yeah, it's cool, man. We're going to go into, we're going to go into taking a passion, infusing it with business principles and coming out with, you know, the perfect cup of business coffee, so to speak. Um, this one was really cool because we got to hear the differences between motivating volunteers as he has a lot of experience in into motivating paid workers. Um, we go into building cultures, telling stories. There's a lot of really useful business tactics here and not just related to the coffee business. I know for me, it's going to help my business just listening to this. It's one reasons I love this podcast so much. And I'm sure David, you're the same. Yeah, man. No, definitely. And apologies in advance for the podcast, guys. We did have a few uh, technical difficulties uh, throughout this one. So there's going to be a couple of kind of intermission pauses, but really hope you guys enjoy this one. And thank you so much for tuning in. Please uh, leave a review after you listen to this one. Thank you. What's up, Instagram? What's up, Facebook? Yo, guys. All right. Thanks for joining us in the studio today, Andrew. This My pleasure. Andrew from uh, Ratio Coffee Shop Pastries, local here, and uh, we're super stoked to get going on this. Yeah, it's awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. Any big plans for the long weekend? My parents are arriving in the next couple hours here, so we're in Lilo with them all weekend. Oh, cool. So you're staying local? Yeah, yeah. Going yeah, up they're up. coming here from the island, so they're Very arriving cool. sometime today. Sweet, man. Yeah. Yeah, that's right, because you grew up in the island, right? Grew up on the island, yeah. Awesome. Why don't yeah. you take us back there and like sure, where yeah. you were yeah. born, where you grew up? Yeah, I grew up in Victoria on the island until um, about junior high, then moved up to the uh, up island to a town called Duncan, yep. and Couch and Valley area, moved all around that area. So Victoria, I remember growing up, but major influence time was in kind of the Couch and Valley area. So, but yeah, Victoria... Still feels like home when I go there, the ocean, breakwater, all that sort of stuff. It's like the memories you have as a kid, so I have a soft spot for the island. And uh, yeah, then moved, um, graduated from high school there, did some post-secondary uh, in Lower Mainland, moved back to the island for a while, and then I've been in the Okanagan for about nine years now, I think. Nine, maybe even ten. Wow. I can't remember. Oh, wow. That's <laughs> yeah. awesome, man. Yeah. So, at, like, take us back to school. What kind of, like, student were you? Were you always, like, entrepreneurial? Oh, man, I was a bad student. Bad student? I was, like, I, I, I was not the student you wanted to have, for sure, yeah. That's so. a common theme on yeah. podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like people that are entrepreneurial oh, yeah. or, or that have that type of style, you know, we, we weren't always the best students. Yeah, you know what? I definitely didn't do great. I didn't put a lot of effort in. But when I did, like, grade 11, 12, I, I finally... Decided I'm gonna try to try to do this and yeah. end up getting straight A's and B's that year. So cool. before, before that, that just like, complete apathy, could care less. Was it like D's and F's or was it like C's? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I remember once actually in chemistry. I think it was like chemistry ten. I said to my teacher, I said, "What's my grade right now?" He said fifty. And I said, "What do I need to pass?" And he said fifty-two. So I was like, "What two things or whatever? What can I do to get myself to a fifty-two? And I just <laughs> I got a fifty-two. 
just had a great vibe. Yeah, I got through it. So, anyways, were you, were your teachers like supportive? Did they kind of see the fact that you could have done better if you applied yourself? Or what oh, I, I mean, good teachers. Like they're all really friendly, and none of them were like hating on me. They loved yeah. me. I could, you know, kept the class fun and lighthearted, but but always sort of like, come on, apply yourself. Let's do this. Totally. But yeah, you know, a few things. Uh, few teachers would come along, they'd kind of catch my interest, I'd be really into something. I had a woodworking teacher that was, like, just awesome. I'm not, I'm horrible at woodworking, but he was just a great teacher, so okay. made me care about it. Math teacher, I'm really bad at math. But, um, but you had a good teacher. But I had a good teacher, so yeah. I was digging it that year. But, yeah. Looking back, though, was it, like, was it something that caused you to not be, like, not apply yourself? Like, were you focused on other stuff outside of school, or what was the... I mean, I was, uh, like any kid, focused on kind of being cool I had a good group of friends Party that accepted me yeah. <laughs> I played guitar a lot so cool, I, nice. I was obsessed with guitar I played guitar for four or five hours every day in my wow high school so you still keep that up yeah I still play and my kids play now like we just awesome. sort of have guitars everywhere so yeah so it was, I was obsessed with music I was obsessed with skateboarding I was obsessed with friends and not with school really so school was an after lunch school. hour was awesome yeah <laughs> after school was awesome yeah but we then, kind of like class clown too, like pretty, yeah, yeah, a bit of class clown. Like I remember elementary school, I was a bit awkward. Walked around the school by myself, and then found out that I could be funny. And if I was funny, then people liked me. So <laughs> applied that to high school, and I, I did great. So sweet man. Yeah, oh, sometimes awesome. at the expense of others, but uh, but yeah, grade 12, 11, That was those were better years. So. You you started to apply yourself more. Was there something where you were like, okay, I gotta get my shit together before I go to university? Or yeah, no, it wasn't university. Or... I don't know. Yeah, I don't think it was university. I think it was more like, I mean, maybe it was a bit of it because everyone talks about, you know, if you don't have this already, don't have this. No university will accept you. And I'm wondering, okay, maybe right. I should keep that option open. Whether just I want to university, but yeah, I think it was just a series of. I was working at this summer camp actually once. It was a big kind of turning point in my life and uh, I almost got kicked out and I was in the band that summer which was like a big deal for me to be in the band because right. I was gone to this camp as a kid and I was like man I want to be in the band one day everyone likes the guys in the band yeah right so I was in the band that whole summer and uh, then I was just I was being the class clown at this camp and one of the leaders took me aside one day and said hey you're like a horrible role model to these kids like you're pretty well a jackass all the time like you're just making fun of people for the to, to, to be popular to get a laugh and he said you know one more strike you're out sort of thing and for the next week you're not in the band and that was like kind of like my punishment so that was I don't know it was sort of a turning point turning, for me yeah. it was like okay I gotta I gotta stop A stop putting other people uh, you know on a, on a laughing pedestal for my gain um, but then too yeah maybe I could be a leader and maybe I could influence people he, he would always say to me you know you're a leader like you're you're a natural born leader whether you like it or not and you can either lead people up or you can lead people down. And he just always said to me, like, we'd just come around and say, lead people up, lead people up. So it just sort of started to come in my brain at that point that it's like, okay, I can I can probably do this if I try. And so, anyway, school was uh, a bit of a lighter load, just trying. And I was like, oh, I can actually learn. And the idea of post-secondary didn't become that daunting anymore, all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, just some few kind of pivotal moments that sort of changed my thinking about school and made it a better last couple of years i love hearing those i love hearing those stories like the backstories of like the turning points because there's always something little like I, I even have stuff in my in my own uh, life where it was like 
one thing might have happened or one yeah. person said one thing and it finally clicked. Like your parents or your friends because have been telling that you that for years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. that one person in that one moment that actually made it click. Yeah, it's usually not your parents because you don't want to listen to them all that much. No, yeah, you don't necessarily like respect their opinion and, you know. Yeah, you should, but school. it's like, ah, uh, I heard it a million times. So then someone else comes along and says it in a new light and it's like, ah, uh, right? Yeah. yeah everybody, it's... like, all these, like, gurus and, world leaders and personal development coaches, whatever it is, if you really listen to, like, the basis of it, they a lot of them just say the same stuff. Yeah, it's just they yeah. say it in a different way. Even, like, you bring in, like, spiritual leaders like yeah, Wayne Dyer sure. and the Dalai Lama, they all say the same stuff. Yeah. It's just when it's heard differently or perceived differently by different yeah, people, yeah, it's, yeah. it's received in a yeah, different for sure. way. So yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what's super cool. Yeah. But you know what? I bet your it was a camp leader yeah yeah i bet your camp leader wouldn't have said that to you if you didn't see some kind of light inside you though yeah it would that's kind of yeah jackass is here like i'll just kind of push him to the side yeah, really um it's it's nice when someone actually yeah. sees that in you instead of trying to pull the wool over your eyes or you yeah know. yeah it's actually funny because that same guy when me and my wife were getting married we were engaged and uh we said hey we're i think it was even before that we're dating and we're pretty serious and he's like that's got to be a joke because my wife is like super a type personality, like super together, never did anything <laughs> stupid. She worked at the same summer camp. She was like the perfect example of how you should lead people. <laughs> and then he's like, you, you're interested in this guy. Like you can do so much better. <laughs> so we said, we're dating and we're going to, you know, we, were, we got engaged. She said, what a joke. Like, I can't believe this, but anyways, it's turned out well for us. There's a relationship. Awesome. There, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. awesome. So, but that was the same guy who almost kicked me out that year. So, you want to shout him out because he helped out? So yeah, much? Jim Beck. He's a good guy. Jim Beck. I don't know. Do you think he's on the island still? So, he's on the island. Yeah, That's awesome. yeah, yeah. Hopefully, he hears us. Yeah, yeah, maybe hear that. <laughs> Jim Beck. He hit us up if you hear this. Yeah, yeah, he's a good guy. Um, so no, that's that's awesome. How about like how about parenting? Did it, how, how were you parented? Like, were yeah, 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 hands on? Kind of were they really supportive? Yeah, for sure. Lots? Pretty. I mean, uh, pretty solid. My mom was home. Proven my whole life. She's a florist and a cake designer, so those are kind of like cool little home really jobs cool. you can do at home. Um, nothing to do with me owning a pastry shop now at all. Like, I, no, mm. I don't do pastry at all. That's not me. Mm. Uh, but um, but yeah, no, they were home a lot, so around tons. I got three brothers, one of them who's in town here. So yeah, really close family uh, unit. Are you the youngest? I'm the oldest, yeah. The I'm oldest the oldest of out of the four. Yeah, yeah. That's then, actually, that doesn't surprise me. No? That doesn't surprise <laughs> me. I was talking in the last podcast about... Uh, Hassan Minaj, who does this um, this Netflix original yeah, yeah. Uh, comedy. I don't know if you've listened yeah, to it. Yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah, so he uh, he talks about how like all the younger siblings basically get their characteristics and their personalities from the older siblings. <laughs> yeah. The older siblings, so yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, no, great, great family. My my dad was a business owner for lots of uh, my kind of teenage years. He, he kind of ran the last standing milk delivery business on Vancouver Island. I'm sure it's back in style now. It's one of those things that kind of was like big back in the 50s, 60s, sort of died out. And I'm sure it's coming back now with all the like sort of CSA box movement type stuff. Oh, but, totally. but anyways, yeah, he, so I remember going like 3 a.m., 4 a.m. doing milk deliveries door to door, you know, like the glass jar, the six pack, you know, of, of milk. And people would leave a note like we want cream cheese today. Or the, it was kind of cool. So yeah, he did that for quite a few years. Um, then that you know, he had a variety of different other jobs. So I did get a taste of kind of the business ownership life through, through his, uh, you know, some of the work that he did over the years, but yeah, not a majorly entrepreneurial, like that was, that was the experience. It wasn't something that was 
ingrained in me, go start your own business or anything like that. In fact, it's still sort of, uh, you know, I love it. It's like, it feels like what I was made to do, but, but it wasn't something that was expected for me or, or something I even expected of myself. So, but yeah, um, yeah, pretty, pretty classic, normal little life. So what happened after, after high school? So you kind of got your, got your shit together and on some level, you know, grade 11 and 12, what happened after that point? You know, like where did that lead you? Did, did yeah, so, it sort of take you somewhere completely different than even you would have imagined in grade 10? Or? Well, so fun, funny, this is actually, I always tell my bakers at the shop that I actually worked at Tim Hortons for a couple of years as okay. a donut baker. So I, but, uh, they don't make donuts really. They just come out of a box and everything. So yeah, I, like, yeah. I would do the donuts, but it's nothing like what what you actually make, them make from the scratch. And you just like take that. them out of a box and then you put them in the chocolate, you know, that sort yeah. of stuff. So, but yeah, so I was working at Tim Hortons and um, got a call from this uh, a small church up in this little tiny town, Shamanus on the island, really kind of minuscule little town, and they needed like someone to lead their youth club at their church, and so they had heard from somebody else that. You know, I was like good with kids or I worked at all these summer camps and they said, could you come and interview for the job? And I was like, well, that's just really random. I'm not even looking for something like this. But anyways, <laughs> went in and inter- interviewed for this job and they gave it to me on the spot. And so I kind of wasn't expecting to take that sort of path in life to work with. I mean, it's something that definitely crossed my mind, but I sort of had all options open at this point. I was thinking about music a lot and. Anyway, so I worked at this church for actually two years as like a youth leader for them and um, and really kind of shaped my passions. Like I, I realized I really liked being a leader and also I really liked kind of working with kids that age and influencing them that, in that way. So um, I had like zero training on how to do it. It was just totally winging it. And um, a lot of people who had that sort of position or, you know, you, you talk to people, they go, yeah, you, you went and did like a social work degree or you did a... I go, no, I don't know. They just took a chance on me, I guess. Like, it was sort of random. But Natural instinct. Someone else saw that, you know. Yeah, well, they were either stupid enough or, or they, they saw something. Yeah. Just smart enough. I almost lit <laughs> the church on fire once, so maybe it was a bit of a mistake. But, uh, <laughs> yes. yeah. But, no, it was, it was a great experience. And some of the kids that I got to hang out with there, I still am in communication with and talk with. And that sort of began a journey for me to go into the youth work sector, actually. I did, I did it for the last 10 years okay. previous to opening a business. So that was sort of my first taste of that. I realized I really loved it. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that was kind of a big kind of this is what I want to do moment. And then I kind of had always thought I would do that for life. But then the coffee business kind of struck my fancy and it took a, took a side venture there. How did that start? When, when did your passion for coffee start? So... Being on Vancouver Island, there's like an incredible coffee scene. There's just insane amounts of coffee shops. And um, and it's particularly one day I walked in, I was like a Starbucks guy or whatever. I was a whatever guy, just went into whatever coffee shop and got whatever sugary milk concoction that they could come up with, like a vanilla latte or sometimes they had these you know, drinks named after chocolate bars, whatever, like an O. Henry latte. I'd be like, ah, give me one of those. Uh, but then I went to the shop one day, uh, drum roaster in Cobble Hill. And I said, I just ordered my regular drink, which was a vanilla latte. And I took a sip of it and it was like, knocked me out of my seat. How good it was like tasted like coffee, but it had like almost like this deep velvety peanut butter marshmallow thing going on. And it wasn't because it was sweet and sugary. I could tell it was from the coffee. 
Interesting. And so I never, ever had a coffee like that before. Like, usually I was, like, bitter, and I got to cover it up with sugar and milk. Because that's sort of the point of sugar and milk in some of your lower Yeah, just get rid, right? of, it, you get know, rid just... of that bitterness, that strongness that you don't really like. So I just went to the owner. His name is, I, we've become great friends. Okay. Um, his name's Gary, and I just said, what is different about your coffee? And thus sort of began this, like, I don't know, on the island, I was there every day for like seven years. Um, so much so that they have my family's picture on the wall. It's like, really? you know, number one customer sort of thing. <laughs> but now, now they are, I'm there, a wholesale customer of theirs, and that's how I get, it's where I get all my coffee from for our shop. So, oh, wow. Okay. So from it's that from that connection. So it's been like a major, major, I, you know, I've tried hundreds and thousands of other types of coffee, some that are incredible, but I keep on coming back to that first cup of coffee where it just was like, oh, this is, this is the best thing I've ever had. So, yeah, so that, I, I sort of asked him, like, what, what's so good about this coffee? He started explaining the how you properly source coffee, how you find coffee in another country, and how you roast it properly, and how you, you know, all the steps that it takes to get to make sort of coffee. Educate you. He educate me. And he was also, in the same time, really interested in what I was doing with kids, because he had, like, a really big heart. Oh, cool. So it just sort of had this relationship where I would go in there, I would get some work done, I was the guy on the laptop in the corner working, and then, you know, as I'm leaving, I'd have like a 20-minute chat about coffee, and he'd ask me about how all the kids that I was working with were doing. So, and he was just super generous. He'd say, you know, like I was always taking kids out for lunches or whatever, because I was kind of like, like picture boys and girls club kind of, but, you know, since in the high school. So he'd always say, here's, you know, here's a hundred bucks to take some kids out for lunch. Like just really generous kind of guy. I was really in into what I was doing as a youth worker, and uh, and more and more as I grew, I became so into coffee that like when sometimes I go there and they just say, make your own coffee. Like we are telling you so much about it. You should start to learn how to make it yourself. And thus began the large spending on coffee gear in my house. And, um, you know, before, you know, I have like more, more equipment than most coffee shops have in my living room. So, so it became this very passionate, crazy, passionate obsession for, yeah, the and last 15 years about it to that like bait. you were just like a I mean, coffee I, drinker I would try like I had a French press at home and I would have like one of those blade grinders and I'd try to make it good I'd buy like you know kind of kicking horse whatever London right. drugs coffee I could find or I'd always be trying to find all these different blends but I was always like ugh still really bitter something weird about it I don't like it it's uh, sooty or it's yeah Right. So just add a ton of cream and one question I do have about the coffee scene, similar to like the taste and stuff like that. Is it similar to like I guess we were just talking about wine earlier before you came in, like how it it takes a long time to establish a taste because for me, like exactly what you're saying, coffee just tastes bitter. That's for me. Like I don't Mm -hmm. drink any coffee in the morning or any time ever. Yeah. Mostly because I'm already the energizer bunny. I should (laughs) add caffeine to it. But I mean, I just it all kind of like tastes the same to me. Do you think that because you had experimented so much and because you tried so many other like crappy bitter coffees that you had to sweeten with sugar and milk do you think that's because you had all that experience that you were able to finally appreciate the proper bean and when it kicked you it was like ooh this is something different maybe a little bit yeah everybody like it doesn't really matter like I could try some of your coffee for example and go oh "Oh, this is different for sure I get people all the time I mean the customer service industry right yeah right I I come eat your sandwich at your shop and I go that's the best sandwich I've ever had and another guy goes oh it's got too much mayo right everyone has different opinions um, mayo is actually one of the most polarizing things, funny enough, right? People are like, I hate mayo. It should never have be on a sandwich. And then people are like, just put it on there. But uh, anyways, coffee is sort of the same thing. Like, I get good friends of mine who I go, 
I've told you every reason why this is the best coffee I can get my hands on. I've told you how it's perfectly sourced from another country. I've told you how it's been perfectly roasted. And they go, yeah, it's okay, but I like this one better. And it goes, ah, it's just not as good. It's, that one's not as good, though. Right. So it's like the same thing with wine. You go to one place and, you know, somebody likes it super sweet. And they, the other person goes, oh, I can't handle sweet wine. I need dry wine. So It's in the eye of the beholder kind of thing. A little bit like in the eye of the beholder. I think quality still shines through, like... When you're using quality ingredients on anything, people go, oh, that's, I can tell it's really good. It's just not my, maybe my personal style, or I need a little bit of vanilla in that, or I need a little something in there. So I, th I think, you know, there are some universal things, but that's one of the things actually that's kind of been most kind of prominent on my mind with the coffee industry is in the world of, and so, okay, backtrack a little bit. In the coffee world, there's the first kind of movement of coffee shops that came in were like the the diners, right? Like the refill forever and ever with your pancakes and eggs in the morning. That was the first place that people were sort of in a communal setting drinking coffee together. It was never before really sort of a strange idea. You have coffee in the morning at home, and then you go get to work. So that's the first time. That's kind of what people call the first wave of coffee. The second wave is this uh, kind of bigger explosion of places like Starbucks, Blends, all these sorts of these sort of coffee, coffee chains that have really taken off. But you know, like even, I think we were, I think we're into the seventies, like late seventies, the first Starbucks came to Seattle and you can still go to that one today. It's actually pretty cool. Um, but that was like the first time you, you'd see like an Italian style or uh, espresso machine, br a barista preparing your drink to order. That was the first time that ever happened sort of in North right. America. And that was European, uh, European was influence. European yeah. Yeah. Influence, right? And Italian's been doing it for much longer than that. Totally. totally. And then that sort of took off, especially in the Pacific Northwest, like just exploded, exploded. So you start seeing Starbucks pop up everywhere. I remember reading, I think Starbucks opens six locations a day, you know, around the world globally for a while. That was the, I think they've slowed down a bit. So that exploded. Right. And then the third wave comes in. That's the wave that we're kind of riding right now, you know, owning like kind of mom and pop style shops is people who are quality focused. They're like not a chain and they want to create a place that people feel like this is, I, I work, I, you know, I go to work all day. I'm there for nine hours. I'm at home for quite a bit of time. But then the other place I go to that I spend a lot of time at is my coffee shop and they make my best coffee. They know me by name. They appreciate me, all that sort of stuff. I feel part of that community. So that's sort of that, that third wave of coffee and also quality focused is sort of one of the bigger aspects of what, of what I kind of hate the terminology third wave that's being overused a lot in the coffee industry and people are almost using it to advertise what they are. But okay. by definition, that's sort of like the idea of the different okay. waves of coffee shops. So people all, always will say, Oh man, I hate Starbucks. And I go, well, yeah, it's what it is, but we wouldn't be here today if they hadn't done it first because people to get people's mind around spending four or $5 on a cup of coffee that they didn't have at their house is a bizarre idea if Starbucks hadn't introduced it first. So, so it's kind of a cool wave that we're riding in that, in that regard. Um, I, I got off on a tangent there, but no, I love that. I, I, I never even knew about that. So I, lo I loved hearing about just like, yeah, the yeah. evolution of like the coffee business. Yeah. It's really cool. I was curious about your opinions on stuff like that too. Cause I was going to say I was in another coffee shop. This was probably a year ago and I was just doing some, some work, I think. And I was listening to an interview behind right. me and this girl was trying to get a job at one of these, one of these smaller coffee shops, uh, like you said, a third a third wave type coffee shop, and she was just basically just bashing Starbucks the entire time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hate Starbucks because of this. I hate this about it. I hate this, and um, I don't know if that was necessarily the best 
interview technique. Oh yeah, for sure. I start mean, bashing yeah, yeah. things because then it's like, okay, well, what if I don't? That you know, that person doesn't like me. Oh yeah. Then what is it? So I was curious. You know, what is your opinion on that? And like, how do you think Starbucks coffee actually compares? I mean, you're a connoisseur. But yeah, yeah. Where do you think they they fit in today's landscape? Well, yes. I mean, I'll say this first of all is. Starbucks employees, if I see Starbucks on a resume, it's usually like a great sign, especially if they've been there for a long time. Okay. Because one of the best things that Starbucks does is they teach their employees like systematic workflows. And that is like a huge, huge deal in the coffee industry or food industry is learning how to like task out a, an order of drinks and food in a systematic order to get to customers is like... If someone can do that on day two when they're starting work, that's like a pro. Right? You're, right. you're big in my books. So my assistant manager at my shop was like a Starbucks junkie staff. He was there forever. And he's just got so many great like systems ideas that I go, okay, what do you think about this? What could we do? What would Starbucks do? Mm. And uh, it's super helpful. So on, on a professional level, awesome as far as people coming out of Starbucks. Um, and the other thing is I encourage my staff to go to Starbucks because usually like nine times out of 10, incredible customer service I find I find at Starbucks. Occasionally you get some person who's had a bad day and you just don't get a bad experience. For instance, I check my kids, there's a new Starbucks in town, this big, big one. I think it's the biggest in BC, so I really wanted to yeah. check it out. So I go in there with my son and I was gonna get, uh, I, you know, whatever, I think I got a nitro cold brew because they have us and I want to try their, right. their version of it. My son picks up a Jones soda and he wants to, he wants to get that. Slips out of his hand, drops, shatters on the second day of this thing. And I'm sort of like incognito. I got like a hoodie on because I'm like, I don't want people to know I'm here. And my yeah. kid just dropped his pop and it's everywhere. And they were just like, here's a new pop. Let me clean it up. Your order's on us. Just go have a seat. It's okay. Don't worry about it. Like that kind of customer service you don't usually find. People are usually like, oh, frick, they dropped a pop. I gotta clean that's it up. That's my bottom line. Yeah, 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 yeah. And not only that, you know, people are looking at me, they go, that's the ratio guy. But, anyways, Great customer service, almost always there. I would so, agree with you, Dan. so totally, it's a it's a great bar of standard for other coffee shops. If you can't do it as good as Starbucks, you know, then you got to analyze what you're doing. But as a taste kind of thing, no, it's not my style. But you know, sometimes me and my wife are on a date and we want to go for coffee after, and it's like, yeah, I'll go get a mocha or some vanilla y thing because it's sweet and delicious, and and the atmosphere is right for the conversation. So, you know. I, I don't drink it, but I do try it from time to time. Not even time to time, pretty often to try to compare where... It's really good to know where you stand in the market, you know? Like, right, you're giving like lots of comparisons. Yeah, yeah. How does my latte taste compared to that at the price I'm charging for it and the price they're charging for it, all that sort right. of stuff? Or how does the experience compare from the park, the moment I pull up in that parking lot to the moment I leave? So, anyways, yeah. So you see them as kind of a mold... They're like a, they're like a, yeah, they're like a fence post. You want to check in with them and make sure you're doing. If you're gonna, if you're gonna charge a little bit more, or we're gonna claim that you're better, you better actually be better and be worth the extra ten Have cents. Have some sort of extra value yeah. added for sure. Right? Yeah. yeah, Starbucks is amazing for remembering people's names. This sort of stuff, like you talk about. All, totally, totally. And, and a lot of it's because they have this very systematic name system on their cups. If they can spell your name right, you know that sort of stuff. Right. We don't, we don't have that, but. So that they got a bit of a leg up in that they have all the names are always on every drink, so they get to see that if you come in every day, they're seen it seven times that week. Right. So um, yeah. Anyways, Starbucks is Starbucks. It's it's uh, it's like 
a cultural institution now, right? Right, yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, and they're really smart at marketing, and some of those things is crazy, like unicorn frappuccino, genius. Yeah. Uh, it's disgusting, but, man, they make a lot of money off that thing. <laughs> oh, it, it, became, it became something where it wasn't, it wasn't even for the taste. People weren't trying it for the taste. They were trying it so they could take a picture of it. Oh, for sure. And it's that's a cultural why it's like, thing, man. That's yeah. why it was so cool for Starbucks, because now they've got this absolutely disgusting 6 or $7 drink. Yeah. Everybody, to begin with, everybody's buying it, so they're making money off that. And then they're getting this enormous flow of organic marketing and organic yeah, 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 reach yeah, yeah, from yeah. people posting pictures and it's yeah. just oh, well, and it's, it's yeah, right. you see people like oh it's like thousand calories in a sense like yeah. that is not the point no no like, there's, there's no caffeine in there there's, this is all a lot of our favorite meals are a thousand calories <laughs> or more that's just the way that it happens but it, it, it was a marketing play that's yeah, all sure. it was and it was really well yeah. done I yeah. can totally agree with no, you no for sure so when did you start your first coffee shop yeah so my first coffee, my first forte or, or sort of step into coffee was um, like I was still working for uh, this youth organization, Young Life. I did that for 10 years. And um, me and my brother, Stuart, my Stu lives in town here, we started a little farmer's market stand. I just thought, you know, it'd be cool to see if people even want to try my coffee because everywhere else in Vernon was like a darker roast, different style of coffee, like than what I had experienced at that drum roaster shop. So it's like, okay. I wonder if that would take off in Vernon. Like, I, I feel like it would, a personally. A less dark roast. A less dark roast, more flavor, more kind of a profile that's related to where the coffee came from. Okay. So if this coffee's from Ethiopia, you can tell that because it has these characteristics, like wine. Um, so me and him started this little, um, tiny little uh, stand at the um, farmer's market. So we would go set up every week. And we would do like pour over coffees. Pour over is like basically like the old style Melita cone, fresh ground beans in, and then you're just pouring with this little tiny teapot. It takes like three minutes of coffee, so it's not time, it's not, you know, fast or anything. But we would do this like every week, Monday or yeah, Monday and Thursday at the farmer's market for a year. We did that. So for a year. And yeah. And what was your feedback? Great. Some of the customers that we made there are still day to day customers that I see all the time. Really? So, so even though I've done a few different things, they've, they've kind of followed us through that. So, and people were able to now buy coffee beans from us. Like they were, they were buying like bags of a pound of beans. And before, if you were into coffee in Vernon, you had to drive to Kelowna, not even to Kelowna, Salmon Arm was the best place to get beans like five, six years ago. I actually had a coffee blog for a while where I would like plot out, if you're in this area, here's like the six places you can go to get coffee. But really? that's about it. Is it still live? No, I just shut it down because like gotcha. I start going to other coffee shops and they go, like, "You're the guy who owns a coffee shop and then has that blog where you dissed all of us." <laughs> so I got rid of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it, it was a. I mean, you're making 200 little coffees a day or whatever. It, was, it wasn't a money maker. It was really just an experiment to see would people be into this. Well, yeah, it goes for you guys that are listening on the podcast. We just had a little issue with the uh, with the laptop, so um, yeah. no big deal. We're back now, so we'll just pick up from where we're at with the farmers market. Yeah, I was yeah. curious, what was the name of that little? Market? That was called Gray Canal Coffee. Gray Canal Coffee. Which is this like a family show? Yeah. Is it? Oh, family it, show. It, it, well, families. It just wasn't a great name because you go great. It was like people would always call it, thought we were great anal coffee. It was like really bad. So, anyway, oh, bad, bad name. All, man. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, okay, cool. No, this is like unfiltered. Yeah. <laughs> you do you, man. You do you. Yeah, so it was called Great Canal Canal. Great Canal Coffee. Great Canal? Yeah, Great Canal, which is the water stream that brought 
all the water to the orchards in Vernon. Right. I started looking for a local name, but then after one season, it was like, that was a bad name. Don't choose that one. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, it's hard so to say. So how long ago was this? Was this like right after you moved to Vernon, uh, basically, or what? No, no, we've been here for quite a while. So I'm going to say, oh man, I'm counting backwards now. Probably about six six years ago. Six years yeah. ago, eh? Yeah. Okay. And my brother, Stu, is quite into coffee at the time. He actually won... Canada's best coffee or BC's best coffee brewer that year. He was in wow. like they, we had, coffee world is nerdy man. There's com, coffee competitions. <laughs> it's like a wine cone. Yeah, exactly. So he won, he won BC's best, and then he got flown to Ottawa to compete there, and um, wow. and then he got fourth there. So we started to use that little momentum from that to kind of kickstart that whole little business there. So yeah, didn't make much money. I think you know cleared cleared the book basically at the end of the day, but. Uh, it was a good experiment to see if we liked it, to see where we into customer service, all that sort of stuff. So, yeah. Sweet, man. Okay, so from there, we had that. What was next after that? Yeah, so some people that I'd met at the market were kind of looking to start a coffee shop in town. So had a few, you know, went went kind of deep with them about starting a coffee shop. A couple of years later, basically, we opened another coffee shop in town. And very quickly, it was like not a good fit for everybody. They're still doing their thing. They're rocking it, and they're doing good. And I, I kind of had le- left that business with a, within about eight months of it starting. So it was a big learning curve, putting like a year's worth of time into it and then realizing this is not going to work out for me and for them. It's a bad, bad fit. So All uh, amicable though, like just, just wasn't a great More or thing. less at the end of the day, yeah. So now we have a great little decaf uh, borrowing thing where we're out. If I'm out of decaf, they're out of decaf. We lend each other decaf. So Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> it's the way it works out. You don't have to go to a grocery store because grocery store coffee is not very good. So totally. I always go, you got the second, you know, you got decaf going on that I need. So anyways, it works out. Um, you learn a lot of hard lessons. I'm sure they learned a lot of hard lessons, but, uh, I, you know, all all in at the end of the day, I think, uh, it was valuable and you just move on from that and try to do what's right for you and your family and, and understand each other's parties. It's so yeah, it is what it is. Moved on from that kind of for like a season, didn't know what to do, but I went down to a great coffee shop in Kelowna called third space and worked for them for a couple months, um, and sort of helped them with some tea programs and really just to kind of get a different experience at a different cafe. Like I'd never actually, I opened up a coffee shop with some, with some business partners, but I've never actually been a barista before, you know, or or actually like worked in customer service other than at a, at the farmer's market. So it was great to go get a different experience uh, at a different coffee shop, driving to Kelowna every day, not ideal with a family of, you know, at that time we had three kids. So I did that for six months and then uh, realized this is, probably not going to work out. Like this right. is not a sustainable way to live life. Um, and I wasn't, you know, making buckets of money doing that either. So it's a hard way to support a family. Right. But, um, so after that working with some friends that actually were, um, part of young, this group, young life that I worked for for 10 years, uh, she is, a like a really highly trained, uh, professional pastry chef. So we started to kind of dabble in doing a few little events where I'd bring coffee and she would do pastries. And it was like just amazing, top notch. You got, you know, amazing cappuccino and an eclair that you can't get anywhere close to anything like that quality. So really going more to the European like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're they're very European themselves. Uh, and so that that started a relationship where we became business partners to start Ratio together. And so we start, decided to start very small with the. We did this little coffee cart in the park of, okay. 
at the Greyhound station more, or not the Greyhound, but uh, the city transit loop there. Okay. Okay. So, so we, I had wheeled out this cart every day. It was the most agonizing nine months ever, or whatever it was, because you're like carrying fridges, you're carrying water coolers, you're oh, carrying propane. Every single morning, yeah. I called. Yeah, it was horrible. So, but it was horrible and like one of the greatest memories ever because it really was unique, and people would go, "Have you had that coffee in the park?" That's there's like, this guy That's who sets true. up there every day. So, in some ways. A great marketing tactic, <laughs> and, they, res- and they, they definitely respect the hustle too. Like that is, that is yeah, a lot of work. To yeah, put it was in a lot of work. Yeah, straight, like just wheel that thing out. Yeah, yeah. So, and the art. Go ahead. Yeah, I think like your prior customers, like the ones that knew you at the farmers market, and then yeah, now yeah, you're yeah. the guy in the park. Like I think that's going to create a lot of nostalgic memories for those early customers, though. It's like, oh, wow, for sure. Okay, yeah. This, you know, I'm at ratio right now, but like, wow, did you know about his past? And then they talk yeah. about it. And it's almost like you're giving someone a reason to tell your story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People hear the story and that's what they love, especially in a town like Vernon. Yeah. They love to hear totally. that. Like, kind of like yeah, that was a great story. story. Back at Let's it. see All what right. else we can conquer today. <laughs> okay, so from the, uh, we're, we're back now. Yeah. Another technical difficulty for those of you that were listening to the podcast. But basically... We go from the coffee cart now, and yeah. now we are actually into the ratio location. Yeah, yeah. So a big part of that, a big part of the cart was a test to see is there a is there a market for this? Is it? I mean, Vernon has like twenty five something it's coffee shops. Crazy, actually. Yeah. For such a small town, there's so many coffee shops. So it was like we got to do some sort of proof of concept here to see if this is even wanted. Um, and Lori, the pastry chef, uh, my business partner, Lori, she is like a big draw for sure was her pastries just out of this world stuff and and so people were able to come in the cart and get like french mousses and all these sorts of crazy things like that at the cart not at the cart yeah like not e- yeah sometimes she'd bring like 12 of them just be like the first 12 people who get here are going to have the best dessert they've ever had in weeks you know sort of thing sweet and then at the Limited end supply too, yeah. yeah yeah near the end of the cart um we we went on um on this idea of doing donuts, we tried. We thought, let's just try a donut out and see if people are into that. It's sort of like a rising trend. You see it in Portland, all this sort of stuff. And I remember way back thinking, even in the in the farmer's market, I bet you if we just had donuts with this coffee, we would do better. So it was always sort of this idea of like, man, if they, people just want sort of trashy food in a way. Like I know people, like the higher class pastries, like croissants and stuff, I definitely have much more respect for that. But at the end of the day, people want donuts. We're, we live in Canada here, right? So and you do put a nice. Twist oh yeah, they're like, like they're, they're gourmet donuts for sure. Yeah. So that's the idea: is you take that kind of European charm and and add that to this North American add thing. Add this to this, yeah. Our North American uh, weakness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you see that even in the plant-based movement. There's you know coffee shops in uh, or just donut shops. There'll be just donut shops popping up in L.A., New York, yeah, Portland. Like, sure. They're huge now. Huge. And they do a lot of co-promotion with the restaurants. Yeah. So the restaurants say, "Hey, we have 20 donuts. Come and get them," kind of thing. Yeah, and yeah. They can do it vice versa. Right? Yeah. Cool. It's yeah. kind of neat. So yeah, I just wanted to tap into that trend. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So Lori would show up with you know. I think we started with just a couple dozen of these donuts and they'd be gone in like an hour. And then we would only do them on Fridays. That was just more of a manpower thing than anything. It was just like, okay, it's a lot of work to do the donuts because she was cooking these out of her home bakery. So she's driving back from town. It was just nuts. It was just crazy, like frenzies. I remember the last day we did it, she pulled up with donuts in her car and it was like, like the royal wedding was happening, you know, with today's things. It's like there's people swarmed her car 
they were trying to get the donuts before they even got to the cart because really? there was only 40 of them or whatever, right? Yeah. So it just caused this crazy, crazy hype. It was just like, what have we started here? This is ridiculous. Um, so yeah, we the last day we did the cart, we, we didn't even open for our full hours because we ran out of donuts, we ran out of coffee, we ran out of milk. It was like, just shut the thing down because we don't have anything else yeah, to serve out. anyone. Yeah, so mission accomplished. So yeah, that was the cart. One of the big things that you guys might just as an interesting thing marketing wise, and I know you guys have had Brian on, mm-hmm. uh, Brian Martin, is we named a donut after Brian Martin because he always talks about bacon. So the guy, funny enough, doesn't actually eat that much bacon. It's just no, like sort of everyone's put just it, shtick, everyone's yeah. put him into the bacon thing. So um, we named a, uh, Lori designed a donut for him that was just like incredible. It was like uh, Merble, uh, sorry, bourbon, bacon, maple glaze. Like it's yeah. it's crazy good donut. So we called it the Brian Martin, and I phoned Brian and I said, "Hey, we're named a donut after you. It, you're gonna love it. It's a Brian, you know, bacon, all this sort of stuff." And so he talks about it on the radio one day, and within 15 minutes, we were sold out of all of our Brian Martins, and that was sort of like the moment it was like, "Okay, this this is it. Like, That's we got cool. a thing going on our hands." And it was totally free. Actually, I remember Sun FM people were kind of pissed off about it because they're like, "You're getting more advertising." than our paid advertisers are because you made up this donut. (laughs) That's that's the beauty of marketing though. That's the way to do it. No, and and I'm totally with you on that. And so like absolute amazing marketing strategy. I actually, I ran into the same problem with, uh, with, with bringing them the food, the Sun FM, the the top people at Bell Media were now actually getting mad at the host and saying, look, I don't care what they do. Do not mention it. You can't talk about it. They're not paying you. Yeah. So (laughs) it's out of their hands at one point, but that is an absolute gangster move. Yeah. Yeah. It was awesome. So then we did one for uh, Betty and uh, we've done a few other donuts for random people here and there that get you a lot of press. I think we did one for the mayor at one point. Anyway, so I can't remember. We we've done so many donuts. It's crazy now. Dude, I really in, like I really like butterscotch. I'm butterscotch. Just leave that with you. You got to have the butterbeer donut from Harry Potter. That is the butterscotch what, donut. But a small town wealth donut. Yeah, you could. Yeah, you can maybe. That's why I said I'm just gonna leave that with you. Butterscotch. <laughs> but what if I don't like butterscotch? Uh, exactly. I'm just kidding. We're not talking about <laughs> you. Butterscotch. <laughs> He's the yeah. base. All right, all right. We'll try it out. That's we'll awesome. Man. Yeah, that's cool. So, anyways, that was a little bit of a digress, but kind of a cool marketing thing. Absolutely. Um, yeah, we've still never paid really for any marketing other than like supporting community events. We've we've tried different things. It just totally flops. And that's one of the things that I love about like Andrew and Ratio um, that I was telling Shelby about too is like, look, the, the coolest part about you guys is you don't do the conventional marketing. You kind of like yeah. almost spark this movement of mm-hmm. you can be successful in a small town like this without going through radio and newspaper yeah, and all yeah, the stuff yeah. that everybody seems to be doing. And there, I mean, there certainly is something to it. Like I listen to the radio every morning and I go, man, maybe I should advertise. I think it's all the time. Maybe I should advertise. And I go, well, but you, you got to You got to think though, are you listening to the ads or are you listening to Brian and Betty? I listen to Brian and Betty, because man. They're I listen, great. To, I yeah. listen to Brian and Betty. I don't yeah. listen to the ads. Yeah. So like there's, there's certain things, but you gotta, you gotta hack where the attention is. So like, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll openly say my, an inspiration for a lot of my marketing that I'm doing for the Sprouted Fig came from watching you guys for the past nice. like, two three awesome. years. Just seeing like the, the absolute amazing influence on Instagram and having people like share pictures of your stuff and, and getting out and there tagging. into the community yeah, and, yeah. and yeah, and tagging. And it was, it's been, it's been incredible to watch and, and see that, you know, it, it really, it really sparked something different. Yeah. In yeah. One of the cool things too, I got a shout out to um, Angie Chu. She's our tourism manager. Yeah. She like hustled so hard to get our cart uh, in the eyes of people. So 
she i don't know why she decided that she liked us like I, she just might maybe liked our product or whatever we were close to the city of vernon office so she would come with her friends for coffee but uh within like a month she had the food writer from the global mail come to the cart and oh, i was like really? i was shaking in my boots the day that she came it was just like nerve-wracking beyond nerve-wracking and so she's trying you know i think it was a galette that day or a, a fruit tart and she's going this is the one of the most amazing pastries I've had in a, and it's in a food cart in the bus alley like so weird and then having an espresso she goes this is like this is like any espresso I can get downtown Toronto like this is top notch so she writes this in the Globe and Mail and all of a sudden pe people in Vernon don't even know us the Vernon Morningstar hasn't written about us for 10 months after that you know yeah. but that that started this you know kind of collide of uh, Globe and Mail Calgary Herald Vancouver Sun all wow. these sort of bigger articles that Angie Chu would just send people our way. They were doing tours through the area and she'd say, oh, stop at Ratio on a Donut Friday. And before you know it, you're in every, it was just crazy. That's man. like a thing yeah. to do though. But yeah. That's the really cultural cool because phenomenon. Then, yeah. Because then you're getting other people to beef up your business. You don't have to do, you don't have to yeah. shout from the rooftop being like, come sir, come get served. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, come yeah. eat my food. People are just doing Press it release. for you. Yeah. yeah we've been in some things I don't even get to meet the people. Like there was this lady, Miss 604. I know she's a big social media influencer. Okay. She was at the shop last week for like 13 minutes. I didn't even say hi to her. She just was like riding a bike, had an espresso left. They filmed her the whole time. Really? So she's like on this media tour. It's like, I don't know how that happened. I don't know how this sort of thing happens. It right. just happens. And then it just sort of like... Cascade. Cas yeah, it's just awesome. So so that, that sort of stuff's been huge for us. And um, we got in the WestJet magazine once, which was a huge deal wow. for our... Um, they did five places in North America to get matcha tea. And so they picked one of us as wow. a, as, really? yeah. So it was just crazy. So people are coming in from all over. They're reading this WestJet magazine and the tea that they highlighted was like a $20 tea. Crazy enough. Like we had this super high end matcha that, that year. And so people were coming straight from the airport to try this matcha. So it's just like, wow, wow this is awesome. I didn't even plan this. It just happens. And it's just so great. That's super cool. Yeah. Anyway, so, Kind of organic man organic totally. marketing it's like yeah, guerrilla marketing whatever you want to call it just sort of takes off so i had a question who remains your influence like you know who do you look up to um for these types of marketing and advertising schemes like i know a lot of it you said has just kind of happened it's almost organic in its own right 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 but who do you look to for inspiration when you're when you're looking for stuff like that and and also who remains influential to you in the coffee business yeah, so there's um, one of the points I was going to say before. I think one of the before one of the glitches is like the third the third wave coffee world is a fairly pretentious industry. So you can go to a place and they'll be like, "Oh, we don't." Even in Portland, some places in Portland or Vancouver, they'll go, "Oh, we don't have cream and sugar here." Or that that's sort of the the theme is like you should have this coffee the way it is and you should like it. So we were talking about that, you know, where people don't like that. They just, I don't right. like my coffee like that. And so for the longest time, the coffee industry has been pretty pretentious like that. And you should drink it this way and you should enjoy it that way. And if you, you should, don't, should, should. yeah, yeah. So that just never really sat well with me because it's not, that's not really hospitality. That's like forcing your way upon somebody. Yeah. And at the end of the day, we need to make a living in this industry. So I want to do whatever it takes to make my customer come back to my place and to make them feel like a guest in my, in my place. So there's a specific coffee guy named Chris Baca. He's he's like a YouTuber and everything. He's been in the coffee industry and, and his 
his business partners, uh, a guy named Jared Truby and uh, Chuck Jack. I've never met these guys other than like the occasional Instagram or whatever, but they're like moguls in my mind for the coffee industry because they've kind of seen through all that stuff and just go, okay. we just want to host people. We want them to feel welcome and invited in our in our cafes. And, um, and they put out like a lot of sort of leadership or coffee industry based like numerical stuff. Like that's one of the hardest thing I found is there's not a lot of, you know, you're going to go, okay, what's the average margin in a coffee shop? Well, no one, there's no, nothing like that on the internet or it's bogus. So these guys are actually opening up their books and they're giving you like real time data info. Okay. It's like blowing my mind, super helpful. And it helps me in, in the kind of on the tactical business side. Right. As well, I've been lucky enough um, to have a great set of business partners, Lori and her husband, uh, Stefan. Stefan was a business guy in town here for 20 years before. So he's got 20 years of business experience Perfect. to be able to come alongside me, who's a bit of a rookie, and and go, okay, let me, you know, you're going to screw up here. Don't lose too much money. Let me let me point you in the right direction. So for the first couple of years, they were super hands-on. They, they've been able to go more hands-off now, and they're, okay. they, we still own the business with them and uh, have a great relationship that way. But they really helped. He, he specifically with the business was super helpful in, in, in kind of mentoring me that way. So I think that's really that's a theme for a few things today. Is a mentor is a huge deal in anything you're doing Absolutely. to find somebody who's kind of going to open up their books to you or talk about that on a podcast, whatever it might be, that that's your mentor, you know, or if it's an actual person, you know, that they can kind of guide you and help you in those things. Is That's been super big for me. Um, but as far as like social media influence, that sort of stuff, um, a book I've been reading or I've read a few times now called Story Brand. Story Brand. Killer book about uh, the whole theme of it is how to get your customers to listen to your message. Like, and not just like listen and see that you're selling this and that, but how to, how to get them to kind of personalize what you're doing into their life. And so it's all about kind of like creating um, story. Story, yeah. yeah. Yeah, just like you'd write a movie like, you know, take any movie, Star Wars or whatever. There's there's a hero, there's a villain, all this sort of stuff. You can put your your products into that placement for, for your customer's life. So, And one of the things, the biggest thing that um, he talks about that really stood out to me, and I try to do it with every post, every story I do now. Sometimes it doesn't apply, but if I can, I figure out how to do it, is a lot of times businesses will make themselves the hero to their customers. So you need lunch. You need an, your car repaired. Well, we can do it for you. Let me be your hero, right? Let me let me feed you lunch. Let me do that. Right. Whereas you flip this and you say, you're the hero. The customer is the hero. Everybody wants to be the hero in life. And so your customer is the hero. And you're going to, rather than be the hero, you're going to be the guide to get them, to help them solve the problem they have. So I'm hungry. I need food. The hero needs food. So I need to come along them. I'm going to be Obi-Wan and come alongside them and help them to figure out that they need to eat lunch at my spot because it's because it's the best place to eat lunch in town or whatever, right? So, cool. so I've been trying to, I've gone kind of even deeper into that. I've plotted out sort of my whole um, my whole brand of my, our whole product, it, you know, on a, on a on a chart from start to beginning. Like, how will my product change our customer's life? They don't even know this whole backstory. We don't talk about it really, but what we put out on our post, or you know, all that sort of stuff, is. I want to be part of that because that's going to make me the hero. That's going to make, I'm going to be the hero of my day. I'm going to be the hero if I show up with donuts to work, all that sort of stuff. And we're just the guide that helped them become the hero. 
So awesome. it's it's a bit basic when it comes to a coffee shop. I keep on thinking places like gyms or or realtor, anything that that would be like the You've got easiest. My yeah, yeah. Definitely. I'll, you need to get the book. Okay. And you need to plot your whole business out. It it, it uh, you know so simple things like that. One of the things that we do. Uh, just shut me up if I'm talking too much. That's but, the point of the show. Yeah, yeah. Go yeah. ahead. Uh, but one of the things that 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 I change immediately is my website. And, and it, websites aren't hugely important for coffee shops in a way. You just need to know if we're open and maybe what we serve and all that sort of stuff. But one of the things we've done is um, an order online button. So we can, you can pre-order our donuts. That longer story, but that became a big problem was our donuts were running out so quickly. Yeah. People were getting mad as hell that they couldn't get our donuts. So we had to start doing a pre-order system where you could order for 24 hours before cut off at 9 a.m if you got your order in you're guaranteed donuts and if you didn't you just got to get in line with everybody else and you might not get them because uh, we were selling out sometimes as early as 11 a.m right um so with that control. yeah yeah so with that order uh form we were getting you know occasional orders but then i used this story brand um kind of to, to use our site as a as a tool for telling that story and our and our orders have doubled sometimes tripled because of using that sort of brand that sort of storytelling that people might be inclined to you know i need those donuts i, I need to it's becoming the first thing people think about it's friday i need to reward my staff with donuts so they they right. do it right they do it beforehand they take care of that and and they can become they can become a hero to all their employees by bringing a dozen donuts you know for 40 bucks you think about how how awesome that is yeah my, my employees love me because i brought donuts that's, that's just a couple of times yeah I, yeah exactly i feel yeah. like i feel you really walk, good when yeah, i feel yeah, really yeah, good yeah. my staff loves me for that yeah yeah so anyways that's sort of the, kind that's of totally the true. some of those bigger kind of I, I love that sort of thinking like where it's not like marketing marketing i want you to buy it's like i actually want to make your life better and i want you to be part of my life and and I often think of our customers not as customers, but as like part of a family. So it's not like I'm trying to suck money out of these people. It's I genuinely think that if they're part of our community that we have, they'll enjoy it and they'll love it and they want right. to. So, so how can I better do that by, by helping them see themselves in this story? So anyways, that's some of the bigger influences I've had recently is thinking about my business as a story but also um, getting really tactical. This, this isn't my strong suit with the numbers, all that sort of thing. It's not my thing. I, I get super passionate about it now, right? and it's making a big deal in the bottom line, but it's not something that I was you know, naturally gifted at. My business partners have helped me and kind of looking at all these sort of leadership gurus, number gurus, all that sort of stuff along the way has really cool, added to my uh, experiences there. So. That's yeah. a great question. That's, that's a really cool. That's a really great question. I love I love hearing that stuff like little mm -hmm. influence, but that's that's really cool the way you put it because it really really does come down to I think it separates it marketing and sales, right? You're not you're not trying to do like you said the sales pitch with every post. You're yeah, exactly. trying to to add value, create a story with every yeah, post yeah, yeah. And, and really engage the audience. And yeah. I think that's I think that's what really makes the difference when it comes to um, marketing versus sales for you're, sure. You're, well, you're playing yeah. a long. You're doing a long-term brand play. You're not doing a short-term sales play. Yeah, yeah. There's a pretty high-level figure in real estate that does a training program, and one of his, um, and I'm probably going to butcher it, but he's, he talks about how you know writing deals and taking people into homes. That's that's your job, but sales and marketing is your business. Mm -hmm. That's the difference. There's like a fundamental difference between the two. You know, you, people. 
focus on one thing too much, you're going to lose out on the other. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of cool. But you've taken coffee knowledge and this sort of passion, but you've infused it. You're like slowly infusing it with the business stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Or actually, not slowly. I mean, to have this kind of success in what, three years? Yeah, I mean, it's people look at us, good. they always go, oh, so successful. But, you know, any any small business is really hard to make ends meet. But we, we've been able to give jobs to a lot of people, which is a hugely successful thing in my mind. Right. We've been able to kind of try it. Uh, provide training for a lot of people and that sort of stuff. So uh, people always go, I, I drive this horrible car, really old, ugly 1992 Volvo. And they go, man, you should get a new car because, like, obviously you're killing it. And I go, man, it's going to be a couple of years before I can get any kind of nicer car than this. It's always less glamorous. Yeah, than yeah, yeah. Think. I'm there all the time. I don't, you know, it's it's like you're always working. But I love it at the same time. And I, I love having, you know, making a place where people can work that they love being at, all that sort of stuff. So that's success in a, in a different way. You know, you need to be numerically successful as well. And so, you know, all those things hopefully will come full circle one day. Totally, man. Yeah. And su success means something different to you. It means something different to, to your staff as well. One yeah. thing I did want to touch on is like with your youth leadership background, I think that's super interesting with what kind of leader you've become in, in the workplace now. Like talk a little bit about kind of some of the pillars that you operate on as long as far as like hiring and um, just as far as like nurturing your staff and helping them get to where they want to be. Yeah, yeah. So cool thing about being my previous job was I worked with volunteers, sometimes it up, you know, leading up to a team of 20 or so volunteer team leaders or and they you were, you know, my job was to try to motivate these people to go out and meet kids, be part of their life and mentor them. Well, you know, if I was to try to motivate you guys to do that, you got full-time jobs, you got responsibilities. So you're like, okay, I got maybe three hours of free time where I could do what you're asking me to do. And likely I'm going to go work out. Likely I'm going to go waste that time somewhere else. Or So that kind of, you know, for the last 10 years, my, my key thing was how do I get those people to use those three hours to do what I'm hoping that they might do? So I learned a lot about motivating and inspiring people to catch a vision and to, um, to really sort of hear what I'm trying to get them to, to, to come on board with and get excited about it. So that I've, I've found incredibly helpful in, in leading a team of people in the workforce. And so, you know, really we have a lot of staff, well, not a lot. We have a, you know, every quarter staff meeting right now, cause it's hard to get everyone together, but really at those meetings, I'm just casting vision saying, this is what we need to be. There's 26 other people just like us serving coffee and treats in this town. If we can do it, in this way that you cast that vision for them, I think we'll have a chance of being a long-term coffee shop in this town. So it's not about, okay, this is how we do the dishes properly. That sort of stuff you can do on the job training or whatever. Right. In those meetings, it's, it's almost a little romantic. Like I get a little misty eyed sometimes in the meeting. I'm, I'm really trying to tell them like, I genuinely believe that we could do this better than anyone else in town. And I think you guys have the capability to be part of the team that can do it better than anyone else in town are you guys on board with me uh, again then i pitch it again you know pitch it again pitch it again and eventually these people go i really want to deliver what he's talking about or you know i want to get on board with that kind of customer service and you're so delivering your north star to your employees exactly yeah so for us yeah. you can't steal this because you're like my competition sometimes but but one the, the biggest <laughs> thing and i and i've st stole this from disneyland and i stole it from this other place, Cat and Cloud, they stole it from Disneyland. But my, my, our main goal, and I have it everywhere all over our coffee shop, is that uh, I want people to leave happier than they arrived. So before, when you walk through this door, when you leave, I want you to have 
a bigger smile on your face than you've walked in with. You're going to have awesome. a better day after you've been here. So that's the main thing we get people on board with. And everything comes back down to that cleanliness product. It all comes back to that. If that stuff sucks, you're not going to have a happier day. But um, so, yeah, that's sort of anytime I get together with our staff, that's sort of my rah-rah is how can we make people happier than when they arrived? Um, and we just do that over and over and over again. So, yeah. So stuff like the great example is uh, one of our staff noticed that this lady was there with her baby and her baby was freaking out. It was a donut day. The baby only wanted the raspberries off the donut. So this one of my staff just went and grabbed a bowl of like five strawberries out of the back and gave it to the mom. And I was like, I noticed it and went, that was awesome what you did there. I mean, the, the raspberries cost us not very much. And that lady, we made a customer for life. Yeah. Totally. And also it controlled the baby. So the rest of the customers in the room didn't have a horrible experience, which is a big deal sometimes. Multifaceted effect. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and that cool. night I go, I got a notification, Google, um, you know, reviews or whatever. These are the curse of my life, but also the best thing in my life is reviews from all these sites. This oh, lady went and wrote a review. She said, had the best experience at Donut Day. One of the staff went out of her way in that busy line and went and got my kid five raspberries to keep him happy so that we could enjoy our donut and coffee. I'll be back anytime I'm in Vernon. So it's like super cool. Man. Oh man, that's exactly, that's happier than when they arrived. That's exactly what we're talking about. So, um, so yeah, anyways, all that full circle with, Working with Young Life, it get, got me a lot of experience working with that sort of age group totally. who a lot of people complain about. They find they curse millennials like it's the worst thing that's ever happened. Drives me nuts. Drives me nuts. I'm a millennial, I think. I don't even know the stats, but we probably are. 38, 37 or 38 yeah. is the cutoff. Yeah. So, so it's 40 now. 40 yeah. now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So anyways, I, I, I had nothing but pure joy working with these people. Sometimes we've had to fire people. They haven't worked out. It's not. But even when you're firing people, sometimes you're going... I'm going to free you up to do what's going to be better for you than being being here because this isn't the right spot for you. And hopefully you'll move on to what's really good for you. It's so, yeah, it. yeah. It's a great way to look at if it. If you can have a relationship with that person and not be that cranky boss who's just chewing up people and chuck them out the door, then you can do it right. Totally. And everyone actually leaves. Care about, actually yeah. care about your people. And yeah. I like, I, sorry. No, no, go ahead, man. I was just going to say, I like what you said about like in your staff meetings and stuff like that, that you're, what your North Star really is, is look, there's 26 other coffee shops like us right yeah, now. Yeah. Uh, this is what we're going to do to be able to stand out. And I think we can be at the top. I like that because in my eyes, and I think in Shelby's eyes and a lot of Vernon's eyes, I think you already are at the top of your game. I appreciate that. But yeah. the fact yeah. that you're not getting comfortable at the top and you're still trying to improve and oh, be better than your best. This like, la Every week, every week I watch the sales like crazy. It's probably bad how much I watch them. Oh, I'm with you too. But the week, the week, this week, dead. It's so super hot. I go, okay, what the heck? Did we do something wrong? Are we providing bad customer service. So that just sort of motivates me, Kate. We got to do better this week. We got to do better. I don't, probably nothing happened. It was probably just hot and there's a lot of events going on or something. But I start to go crazy in my mind, go, okay, we got to deliver better customer service because something's going to happen. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> got to shift. I love yeah. that. I love that so much because my, like, literally my mom and I watch the sales like crazy almost every single day. I watch, I look at them, you probably the same. You, I yeah, look you at them it. like five or six times a day and like, yeah. I'm like, why was there a lull in this time? Like, what did my staff do? Yeah, was yeah, there exactly. a poor experience? What happened? Yeah. Why aren't there this many people coming to this side of town? Like, are we losing our touch? And then like, I'm, I'm sure you're the same way. It's like that now the next week you got to figure out, okay, what can I do to like, you know, make something cool mm -hmm. to get people yeah. to come mm -hmm. back again. Right. And that kind of attitude, it rubs off on the staff and the customers because yeah, now yeah. they see like, 
you're always trying to improve and add more and more value to some yeah, really cement sure. your position. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the most dangerous spot to be is comfortable at the top. Oh, for you sure. Think, yeah. You think you're the best. You think you're. You don't have to do anything better. When we're in a world that's constantly moving and constantly improving, and you yeah. need to move and improve with it. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, and it, it can be. I lost my train of thought. It's cool. Yeah. I'm, no. One cool. of the, one of the things I'll I think, think yeah, one of the things I think in that sometimes is like, like coming back to Starbucks is it's really easy for people to go to Starbucks like they got drive-throughs they got mobile ordering so I got to work extra hard to get people to kind of come right. my way to park to get out of their car that sort of stuff so and to, and what's great about a small town like that is is people want to want to support those yeah those places. yeah for they, sure they they really do which is good I mean yes you still have your convenience like. I mean, we're we're not never gonna be at the scale. I wouldn't say never, but like, we're not gonna be right now at the scale of Starbucks or, you know, in my position like Tim Hortons or Subway yeah, or McDonald's yeah, yeah, or yeah. Burger King. Like you said, the convenience of the mobile ordering and the drive-through and it's the pretty crazy. the speed, right? Yeah, yeah. But if we can add that little smidgen or large smidgen of value more that gets people yeah. to think, okay, you know what? I want to go there because I get a better experience. I get a better product. And, and I just walk away yeah. happier rather than just yeah. a quick refuel. Oh, yeah, for sure. Right. Another thing, what I was going to say is that it, it can be tough because you're trying to also make a customer for life. Yeah. So if you're short term, like say on a weekly basis, you're looking at the sales and going, oh, crap, like we didn't do so good this week. That's What's right, going right. on? It could have just be like, oh, it's super hot. Maybe we could have had iced coffees. It could be something yeah. as simple as that. Or it could be that, you know, maybe your service from four weeks ago carried over into this week. Yeah. And it wasn't good enough. Yeah, exactly. So you're constantly having to figure out how long is long term. Yeah. Because even we as human beings, even though we're trying to build long term businesses, we have a tendency to think short term. Yeah. We put crap in our bodies and not Such expect to feel yeah. like crap the yeah, next yeah, day. Yeah. You guys watching sales like hawks, I mean, <laughs> I do it with my business as well. You're kind of like, what is going on? These yeah. last two months have yeah. been dead. You don't want to overreact uh, in those times, no, too. You, you totally. don't want to, you got to take a sober look and go, okay, is this. Just a just a blip for the day. Usually, I find it's just a blip for a couple of days. Oh, we're back on track. Yeah. All right. What was it? Was it hot? Was it it's rainy? Was was there some like okay? For instance, the other day, I'm like, man, it's dead in here, and I'm freaking out. I'm doing the stress thing in my mind. I look outside, traffic, uh, construction that way. Traffic construction that way. Okay, okay, it's gonna be like this for a day. They're ripping up the road there. They're ripping up the road there. Nobody can get to us right. except for down that middle street. Or foot traffic or yeah. stuff like that. And you're right. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> sometimes it's something so minimal. Sometimes, like you said, Shelby, sometimes you got to look at like, okay, I can make these. It might be this macro or this little micro switch in the yeah. in the little present moment that can, can affect it. But sometimes, like you said, it's literally, it's just like, you know, in the big picture, it's yeah. not really a big difference. It's just, and, and I do the same thing. Like I'll, I'll have moments where I'm like, oh, it's not so busy. And then I think, you know what, but... Honestly, like if it's not busy this week, it'll balance out next week, and it almost always does. That's the hope, yeah, yeah. And for that's sure. when when you start to have consistent issues. And I mean, I'm still tweaking the micro in the in the yeah. meantime, like to try and add little different things. But yeah. once you start to have those consistent like slower times, then you start to become like, okay, something needs. Something I need needs to make. To I need to make a big change that's going to switch yeah, this, right? For sure. So yeah, no, that's really cool. Yeah. So. As we wrap up, we normally like to do things that are, you know, just conceptual stuff. Uh -huh. So random stuff that kind of encapsulates what we've been talking about. So I have a, a question just to start off. Um, so you've dealt with volunteers and mm -hmm. leading volunteers. What are prime differences you find, differences and similarities between motivating someone that's a volunteer and motivating a paid worker? 
well, you can fire someone you pay <laughs> quite easily. Yeah. It's a lot harder to fire a volunteer because they're doing it for free. Uh, but there have been times where, you know, you got a volunteer and you say, this is not a good fit for you and you're not a leader anymore. You're, you're off the volunteer team. It's like, that's, a, that's a hard thing it's an to interesting swallow. concept. To yeah. So it. that's a big deal. But, um, really at the end of the day, I think there are a lot of similarities other than the time constraints. Like when, when you, when you have a volunteer in like a nonprofit, like you really are kind of grabbing their free time and saying, I want you to use some of that for some good. And that's really like that's a big ask, right? It's actually more than I want you to work here because you're going to get paid for being here. So it's a it's a huge deal. To, so you know, anytime I get talk to anyone who works in the nonprofit, I go, man, it's not a hard it's a hard job. Like it's a, it's a hard go to raise money to whatever you're doing. It's a big deal. Um, you know, that was that was actually one of the bigger things that I had to do in that field was raise 120 grand a year on you know with a team of people and that's a lot of work to go out and ask people for a ten thousand dollar check or go run a golf tournament like you're talking about hustle that's it's pretty big deal right so yeah so i mean there are similarities but i think that at the at the heart of it any in any field in life people need to be inspired they need um to be to be um kind of like drawn towards a vision there's a there is a verse out of, in the bible that i kind of always use that says if without vision, the people will perish. And it's sort of a biblical reference there, but I think it goes back to Very business at the same time. Thing. Without a vision, without people won't know how to do it, you know? So there's all right. these sorts of comparisons where you go, without it, people will know what to do. If you haven't trained your staff, oh man, they got, it's crazy. So yeah, anyways, I think there's lots of similarities, but some big differences too. Totally applicable, yeah. I want to know, well, I got a few like kind of like, each question is very different and yeah. lead into the next one. But my first one is I, I really want to know that how you burnt, almost burnt the church down story. Oh, okay. I, so we're having, it's like my last week of working at that church and um, we're having a bonfire and I thought yeah. it'd be a great idea to chuck some pallets on the fire. So we chucked like four or five pallets on the fire and we we're like, the flames got really high. huge 30 feet away from the church. And all of a sudden you got 15, 20 foot flames just singeing the place and this wind comes up and it's just totally takes the flames like right towards the church like it's like clipping the the posts of the patio so i'm like everyone get water now <laughs> so everyone's grabbing their little dixie oh cups God. of water and oh we're just man. like attacking Trying this fire yeah the fire. luckily Holy nothing smokes. went down nothing. Holy. Yeah. that's insane man <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That would have been what a story that would have stressful. Stressful. What a story that started from a church, church fire. fire and now yeah. it's here. That's what's up, man. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. What is your perfect cup of coffee right now? Might have changed over the years, Ooh. but right now, what what is your perfect cup of coffee? Oh, perfect cup of coffee. So I, I got a few different perfect cups of coffee right now. I'm surprisingly digging we just put this on the menu and um we call it the pie pick me up because i have a friend named andrew pie who's a crossfitter one? yeah he's yeah. a yeah he's a crossfitter so it's a bulletproof and i was a total skeptic on this stuff yeah. but i've been actually like eating ketogenically or whatever you call this for like a month now and it's like oh i've never felt so good but this freaking coffee changed my life because i used to drink like nine cups of coffee a day like i do drink today i'll probably have seven or eight cups of coffee a day because wow. i haven't had a bulletproof one bulletproof though keeps me going till four or five p.m. It's insane. I don't know what it is, but some digging that coffee for the energy and just keeps me like feeling like, you know, when you drink coffee, you get the 
the initial caffeine rush, then you get this sort of slum. Yep. None of that's there with that. So I'm digging that coffee, but taste, I don't like it at all. I hate it. It tastes like butter and coconut or whatever you put in that thing. Right. Do you so know, do you know what's in it? Like, can you walk? Yeah, us yeah, I can walk. It right yeah, now? it's it has to be grass fed butter because yep. it's a good fat for you, and then it's a uh, MCT oil, which is a medium chain triglyceride. Yep, correct. Yeah. Um. So Probably yeah, like coconut and palm oil. Yeah, yeah. Well, and usually just co- you want to go pure coconut oil. No, no palm. Palms like a MCT palms like cutting that stuff. Yeah. So, um, anyways, look it up. It's good for you. It's not weird. It's not going to clog your arteries like everyone thinks it will. I've gone ketogenic in the past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, so for energy, that one's, I I love it. But people get really excited about lattes and latte art, but I'm a drip coffee guy, like a really beautifully made, clean and light uh, cup of coffee. where you drink it black? Drink it black, yeah. So usually like a pour over or an air press or French press. So just is beautiful. that kind of what turned you towards a lighter roast that's black? Is like you were drinking a lot of these darker roasts and you needed cream or sugar. Exactly, yeah. And now, so you, you wanted to balance it out so that people, you're not forcing them to drink black, but like now they yeah. actually have license to drink black. Like, yeah, it's oh, a, you can actually drink this without yeah. it being too bitter. Yeah, yeah. It's funny actually because a lot of seniors love lighter coffee. I didn't know that at first. I thought everyone wanted dark roast, but there's a lot of seniors who – that was kind of the old profile. Then it went really dark when Starbucks came in. So my parents' age, your parents' age, they love dark, dark, dark coffee like they tar. Black. And they drink it black, yeah. Um, so a lot of seniors really love it. Anyways, um, yeah, the thing I like about it is you get it. So the classic is an Ethiopian coffee will often taste like floral, berry, uh, blueberry. Okay. Uh, and you'll have kind of this unique flavor profile where you go, oh, man, I'm tasting. Are you tasting that? It tastes like a blueberry to me or it tastes like jasmine in there and you don't usually get that when you add cream and sugar so that's why i'm kind of intrigued by that kind of coffee and it's kind of captivated me a bit the ethiopian oh well just yeah ethiopian kenya that anything like that anything from colombia guatemala you're going to taste the unique region behind it so each coffee most people generally across the board going to like colombia's and guatemala's they're sort of your people pleasing yeah more universal chocolatey caramel that sort of stuff a little sweet but mostly coffee Gotcha. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Super cool, man. So I know you love coffee and everything like that, but what is, I mean, you might go into your nerdy side here with the Star Wars and stuff like that, but whatever it is, what's something you're obsessed with right now? So super obsessed right now with Disney. Um, And I'm not, I'm not like a Disney fanatic as far as the cartoons and stuff, but from a systems and leadership side, Disney is friggin' amazing. And um, I went there I went there this year for the, well, I've been before, but as a kid, went there this year and it was just like, I just watched and I was just like, how do those employees know exactly what to do right now? How do they, Hmm. who are they talking to in their ear? Why is it so frigging clean around here? There's never any garbage anywhere. So I, I just started dig diving into this world of like how the, how Disney trains their staff. It's amazing. So there's a book called Be Our Guests that I picked up that um, I've read probably three times right now. And it, Every time I read it, it's like, whoa, this is crazy. So sometimes those books just like you have to read. Oh, yeah, that's a gooder. So there's a few concepts that have been really that really stood out to me that I applied to the coffee shop. One of them being happier than when they arrive. That's Disney's major goal is when a family leaves here at 6 p.m. They've been walking around for all day long in this in the hot sun. They've eaten churros, everything. They are like leaving so happy. It's and not just because of the roller coaster. Yeah, not because of the roller coaster. I mean, we went and my 
the last day is just like ingrained in my mind. My kids are crying because they don't want to leave. They said, this is the best thing we've ever been. We, we don't want to go. I go, they yeah. did it. How'd they do that? They did it. Yeah. And I feel like I own part of that place. Like I want to go back there and go to the place where I sat and feel like this is mine. And it's like there's millions of people who go there every year. So they're so good at that stuff. Um, so yeah, anyways, that's sort of my, my captivation with Disney right now cool. as far as an organization to watch. Cool. Yeah. Final, final question. Uh, I always, well, quite often I like to use this question. You are speaking at a, a conference to high school students. Grade 12, obviously we all know the differences between high school and real life. Um, the things that can change. What is your advice for the grade 12 class heading into the real world? Yeah, so one thing I st still stands out to me is a, a kind of talk I heard from somebody defining tragedy and success in someone's life. So the gentleman said, what, you know, a lot of people are calling this story a tragedy. It was the story of these, this lady who was 85 years old, never married, never had kids, but she's a nurse. And she went in, into the outermost part of India and helped people in an orphanage there. She gave her life to this thing, helped people medically and did research so people could, you know, uh, get healthier, helped kids, all this sort of stuff. But she never had a loved one, never had a family around her. She did it kind of Mother Teresa style, really. Driving, out, driving around one day, her brakes give away in her car and she drives off a cliff. People go, what a tragedy, what a life wasted. She didn't have family, all this sort of stuff. And he says, that's not a tragedy. The tragedy, and he picks up a Reader's Digest and reads this, reads about this couple from who now live in Florida. And they, they worked extra hard so they could retire five years early. And they could enjoy their yacht on the lake. And they collect shells. And the guy was going, that's a tragedy. That life is about nothing. Like they've accumulated wealth, all these sorts of things. It's just sort of just fake in the sun, you know? More or less. Away. And he, so he just compared these two lives where this person gave their life away to others and just made people's lives better. Her whole life didn't, no one knew her. She never was written about, didn't have any wealth to speak of. Fell off a cliff one day, died. And these people are baking in the sun in Florida, they collecting their the shells. World. And everyone went, that's the story I want to be. And the guy's saying, that's the story you want to be. And so that's really a life of meaning. Yeah. That's the American dream. Don't buy into it. This is what life is really about is giving your life away to other people. So very cool, yeah, man. that's what Super cool. my sort of inspiration is. Yeah. I love it, man. You got a lot of really cool concepts and I love how you've taken, you've taken a passion, you've infused it with business principles and you're, you're trying to create an entire culture. And I think, um, I think Vernon feels the, no, I appreciate feels that, man. the weight of that. It's, it's been really cool to see you guys grow and, and I've been a part of Donut Friday. I've placed my orders, been at late at night, like, <laughs> Get my girl a donut yeah. tomorrow. She's, good. you know, so <laughs> giving really Vernon diabetes one that. donut at a time. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, honestly, respectable. No, man. totally, totally agree. I've gotten, I mean, I've got nothing for, nothing but respect for you. Thanks, um, man. Appreciate have been it. Been for a long time, yeah. and I really, I really love what you're doing all the time. I think you're a, you're a great guy. You run an amazing business, and and it shows. I I only want to see you succeed more. Well, yeah, you guys too, man. I appreciate you guys putting time into. Spreading the goods on a podcast. Perfect, man. Perfect. <laughs> awesome. Thanks a lot. Cheers, guys. Appreciate it. See ya. Thank you. So